All right, everybody, welcome back to the Agents of Comic Book Podcast. I am Paul. And I'm Eric. That's right, and we're back with a, uh, a fresh week here. We uh, got just got done with a three-week uh, Power Rangers series, which was a lot of fun. Um, no, it was a marathon. Yes, yeah, so we just got done with that Power Rangers series. It was a request uh, from our Patreon, so thanks again, Dark Side Taser, for that. That was a really good series. Oh, yeah. Um, to request, to get us into it, um, introduction to the Power Rangers. Otherwise, we're going back to the superhero stuff this week. We're going to uh, cover the first arc of Jonathan Hickman's Fantastic Four run, which actually is called Dark Rain issues one through five, uh, which is the first five issues of that of a very long uh, Jonathan Hickman run at Marvel, which kind of all strings together a bunch of different books. So we're just gonna we're not gonna obviously get into too much of it, but we're just gonna dip our toes in and just uh, just in case people wanted to start this run and get a good starting place of where to begin that. I was gonna say because like just looking at stuff online, like you type in Dark, I just typed in Fantastic Four Dark Rain and the Wikipedia, it's all like every single different Dark Rain thing, and it was like twenty different. Oh like, yeah yeah yeah. No, no <laughs> I was like holy shit. Yeah, this is huge. No one has to or should read all the Dark Rain books. It's okay. more of like an era in Marvel comics so gotcha. it's like if you like the fantastic four then yeah keep reading it's just a different era it's like uh is it kind of i mean I, it might be a, a little bit different but like how house of x is like it was kind of a thing that was like the base of things to come yes exactly that, yeah. that's what it was so it's think of it like uh like the a status a quo jumping change. off point yeah it's a status quo change in the marvel universe that allows writers to kind of like get their twist on things like ooh, what would the x-men be like if you know norman osborne was in charge shit like gotcha. that um, so yeah, we're going to be digging into that, getting into that. We'll, we'll set it up a little more when we get into the book itself. Um, but I do want to start out the podcast just by uh, doing a little bit of the spiel explaining who we are, just in case it's your first time joining us. It's been a little bit since I've done this, so I want to jump back in. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, if it's first Gotta episode joining in. us, the um, what we do every week is we review one comic book story, one complete arc, usually up to like six issues, sometimes less, sometimes more. Uh, but usually that's what it is, is one trade paperback. And mm. then we'll always compare it to one adaptation of that character of the, or of that movie. Or I should say, we, we always compare that with an adaptation of that character or of that team or just like a theme that centers the two things together. It's got, yeah, it's got to be loosely connected. Right, least. exactly. Um, so it doesn't have to be a direct adaptation. Like, it doesn't have to be like, you know... All-Star Superman and the, ad the animated adaptation All-Star Superman. It could yeah. be like what we did a couple weeks ago where we did the All-Star Superman book and just compared it to the movie, which has nothing to do with the book. But There was some connection. That's what I mean. So you, <laughs> but can, yeah, exactly. you can look for similarities, yeah. So that's, oh, yeah. that's what we usually try to do. Um, and so, for example, this week we're going to be covering this Fantastic Four book that we were talking about, Dark Rain, uh, issues one through five by Jonathan Hickman. And we're going to be comparing it to um, a Fantastic Four movie that was created. Yeah. It wasn't released. <laughs> that's why I put it that way. It was not a released Fantastic Somehow Four movie. Somehow survived the sands of time. We'll, we'll go over some of the history of what that movie is when we get to it. But yeah, we're going to be covering the 1994 unreleased Fantastic Four movie that... It's a relic. We sat through the whole thing. <laughs> we sat through 90 minutes of that shit. I'd we might be the first in a while. To watch the whole thing and not just clips of it. It's Since, like, the producers made the decision to never release Oh, it. I don't think the producers watched it. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably not. They probably saw uh, screen caps and they were like, no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah, their, their assistant <laughs> skimmed through it. Um, but, yeah, so that's what we're going to be getting into this week. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we're over at Agents of Podcasts. That's where you can keep up with us and kind of see what we're reading ahead of time. Because we started this podcast with the general impression that it would be kind of like a book club where if you're listening along, you can read these books as we read them. Mm -hmm. So that way you can... Can, it's kind of like a book club in that way, so that way you can follow along and kind of hear thoughts on something you just read. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, we also like to, uh, at least for the comic book part of it, talk our way through some of the plot points, just in case you can't find the book or you haven't read it in a while or even you haven't read it at all. We want yeah. it to be comprehensible in case you don't have that context. Yeah, exactly. So that way you can enjoy the discussion without 
really, you know, having to know all the details of the plot, because we'll explain it to you enough. So yeah, you can always uh, catch up with us on the Twitter there if you want to see what we're reading ahead of time and just, you know, hear kind of some of our takes on comic books and whatnot. So if you want to, uh, we also have a Patreon over at patreon.com slash agents of comic book. That's where you can kind of decide what we review. Uh, like we mentioned before, we just did a three-part series of Power Rangers because one of our patrons uh, wanted to see us do some Power Rangers shit. Yep. And we liked it way more than we thought we were going to. So that, that's why I like the, the Patreon requests. Yeah, all the requests so far have been amazing. Yeah, like, it, I've, I've enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, it's cool to kind of, um, you know, get get something in there that we might not have thought of. Or maybe, or like, for example, with that Thor series, something that we wanted to do but just didn't know where we were going to put it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, well, there it is. Boom. Yeah, it's the decision made for us. Yep, so I <laughs> like that. So, yeah, so you can request up to, like, you can request one single episode if you just want it to be, like, a one-week thing. You only have to sign up at the $5 level on Patreon to do that. Um, or else if you want to do like uh, Dark Side Taser did uh, just a couple weeks ago with Power Rangers, you can also request up to a three-part series by signing up at the $10 level. Um, and then you can mix in those three episodes are completely yours to design as you will. They don't even all have to be the same thing. Like mm. if you want us to do like a Spider-Man book, a Batman book, and then like a My Little Pony book, you can do all three of those and combine them. Are there My Little Pony comics? I'd have to assume. I would assume, That yeah. seems like a, a missed opportunity if there's not. <laughs> That's a big market, obviously. And I heard it's like got a decent detailed lore too so i feel like that'd be a comic book oh there's i'm sure there's an expansive lore yeah so i don't know maybe we'll dig into that <laughs> <laughs> who knows um but yeah so so yes yeah, so you can you can mix and match it or if you want us to do all three of the same book that's a really good opportunity when if you want us to cover like if it's like an 18 issue story like if you don't really get the whole picture five issues in that happens yeah. with a lot of books oh yeah that's why i'm glad we did that power rangers book for 16 issues because mm -hmm. thor we, too yeah and thor too um because it, it, actually, Power Rangers and Thor are the same example of this. Because we, if we had just read the first arcs of those stories, I don't think we would have gotten as much of a picture of what the run was. Oh, not at all. Because like the first Power Rangers story was good. Like we liked, it, we enjoyed it when we talked about it on the podcast. But like when we got into like the meat of it, like you know, twelve or fifteen issues in, like you could like once you know the characters and like they can really get running with the plot, like, you can do a lot more with that. Yeah, that because that that last arc of Power Rangers was easily my favorite too. Right, exactly. That's when shit really ramped up. Yeah. So if you want us to dig into a run for a little bit deeper, you can. Uh, sign up at that $10 level, and we'll pretty much dedicate a whole month to it. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's definitely an opportunity that you have. Um, but as for this week, this is just a, no one requested this one that we're going to do this week. We just decided to torture ourselves. Yeah, we just kind of had a random. <laughs> we're like, what if we spent an hour and a half of our week watching this unreleased piece of garbage? <laughs> yeah, this is definitely the first one we've watched where I like struggled to get through it. It was like <laughs> counting down, like, Jesus, how much is like, left? If I jump out the window, will it break? <laughs> <laughs> how hard would the fall hurt? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so we're going to be getting into that. Oh, and next week is another one that we have designed, but I have not. Yeah, told are you going to release this nugget of secret? On not me? yet. No, I'm going to wait till the end. Oh, God. <laughs> Whatever. I told Eric that uh, the plan for next week, I'm not going to tell him yet. I wanted to tell him on the podcast. Well, and like an hour before we had like established what we were going to do. We're like, all right, good to go. That's what we're looking forward to. And then an hour later, you're like, oh, yeah, I figured out a new plan. But no, I'm it came it, to me in a vision. I'm going to keep it secret. <laughs> I, I was making a grilled cheese and saw a face in the grilled cheese and I knew. Uh, we were going to cover next week. Well, I mean, many revelations come when you're making grilled cheese. It's not Jesus. I'll tell you that. No, it's not, we're not doing the Bible. That wasn't my first thought, but all right. Uh, Eric, I'm telling you right now, next week we are going to be watching Howard the Duck. And we're going to be reading Howard the Duck by Chip Zdarsky and really? Joe Quinones. So really? ready for some live not, action. Not Darkwing Duck. No, this is Does Darkwing Howard Duck have comics? 
Howard the Duck? No, Darkwing Duck. Oh, I don't know if Darkwing Duck Probably is. Probably not. No, this is, is going to be <laughs> That's the, interesting. I like that, actually. That's really random. I've, we've never talked about that. No, I, I looked it up. I was looking up random one-offs we could do. Okay. Because uh, we have a, a Doom Patrol series coming up. So people who like Doom Patrol, don't we haven't not forgotten Yeah, about we have that. not forgotten. We, we just want the season to get a little more meat into yeah, it. Yeah, we're planning on doing it. a four-episode series coming up. So we yeah. got some meat for the Doom Patrol, so get ready for that. Oh, yeah, we are um, very excited But we needed that. one a, a one-week buffer before that, so I was just looking for one-offs, and yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, my fuck. God. It's not a bad pick. I'll, I'll, so are we going to watch the old 90s Howard the Duck movie? That's the only one that was ever made. Yeah. Okay. Unless gotcha. you count Guardians of the Galaxy, but that, no, that'd be a well, stretch. Yeah. yeah, it's literally a 10-second scene. <laughs> yeah, so no. So get ready for Howard the fucking Duck. I have never seen it. I don't know what I, to expect. I've never seen it either. I've heard good and bad things about it. I've not heard a good thing, so we'll see. <laughs> I mean, good as in like comedic things about oh, it. Oh, maybe, yeah. Like maybe it's gonna, I think it's going to be one maybe of those. Maybe it'll be a good time. Exactly. Yeah, it's we'll going to be one of those, probably. Maybe it won't be. Yeah. Uh, but as for, uh, without further ado, I think we should get into it. We're going to be covering the first five issues of, uh, as I mentioned, Dark Reign, Fantastic Four. Uh, to get the creative team for this out of the way, uh, I mentioned before at the top, this is written by Jonathan Hickman. This is the start of his uh, renowned Fantastic Four run. This was kind of just him, like, because uh, he kind of got his start, like, in the middle of the status quo. So you kind of have to tell a Dark Reign story if you're starting here. Okay. So it didn't really hit the ground running until after this arc and he gets into like the deeper parts of his plot but this is where he's setting it all up okay to get the rest of the creative team team in here we have sean chen on the pencils lorenzo ruggiero on the inks uh and then we have john raunch on the colors and we have vc's russ wooten on the letters so to get the whole creative team in there because i wanted to call that out especially because when i was rereading this one of the things i enjoyed the most was the art oh yeah the art was fantastic um, because the sean chen pencils are honestly i hate to say this too in the first arc but these are this might be the best that the art is in the Fantastic Four run, and like this might like be the, in this run. Yeah, this might be my favorite artist in the run, and he's only he's on the first five issues and never comes back. Really? So it's kind of disappointing. Oh, yeah. that sucks. Um, because I like the way he draws all the characters, and he's got like you know really good uh, expressive faces and whatnot. Yeah, his lines are really good. Yeah, exactly. And there's like really good spread pages too. Like even just as I flip through to page two, there's a really really good spread page of the Baxter Building just in New York, just yep. like a ground shot like from a phone booth, just at at the building looking up. Uh, so really good, just like cityscape right there, showing you like what the Baxter Building looks like. Um, to get, I want to set up this this run a little bit uh, with some background because, like I said, this takes place in the Dark Reign. It's a status quo change, so I want to set up what that means a little bit for mm. um, people who don't really know what's going on, like perhaps you. Yeah, yeah, um, no, I had a lot of questions. <laughs> um, yeah, so this sets up what Dark Reign is. It's an era where Norman Osborn's in charge. He basically controls like metahuman affairs for the government. The reason why that happened is because there was recently a invasion by aliens shape-shifting aliens known as the Skrull. You might have seen them in the Captain Marvel movie. Yep. Um, they invaded Earth and kind of like posed as politicians, as superheroes, infiltrated and tried to take over the world, mm -hmm. uh, convincing everyone like, no, you want to be part of the Skrull Empire. Like, you know, this is the expansion you need. You and, know, this was, like and this was post-Civil War? Yes, this was like right after the... Uh, the superhero civil war, which I think people know a little bit more about. That's like the Superhuman Registration Act. Yeah, it's pre it, from what I gather, it's pretty similar to the the movies, minus the whole Illuminati. Part. Um, it's pretty different from the movie because the the comic book is bad and makes the super and especially makes the Tony Stark side of people like super super over the top evil. Yeah, the whole Illuminati idea, it's. It's an interesting idea. I don't know how I fully feel about it. <laughs> oh no, the Illuminati is before that even. So that's what I mean. This there's a lot. Oh, yeah. of, there's a lot of context here. So let me maybe I should start from the beginning because okay. it does mention the Illuminati as well, which was a secret cabal of superheroes, uh, included Doctor Strange, uh, Professor X. 
um, Tony Stark, Reed Richards, uh, Namor, a few of just like people who think they're smarter than everyone else yeah. and who think they can do good for the world but don't want anyone else stopping them or having a say in it. Yep. Um, so they were the ones who ended up launching Hulk into space and then Hulk came back all pissed off. That's where that story comes from. Okay. The Illuminati is known for being a bunch of people who think they're super smart but keep fucking things up over and over <laughs> and over and over and never realize it's a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. Because even Reed Richards by the end of this arc is still just like, nah, the Illuminati wasn't the problem. It's got to be something else. I'm like, no, bro, that was the problem. <laughs> well, well, even in this run, he runs into that so many right. times. Mm-hmm. Where, like, every time it's just like, no, like, I was the only one who was right. That all happened. The World War Hulk. Then Civil War happened, which was a giant mess, uh, which divided everybody. Um, then right after that, the Skrull invasion happened. So the world has been through the ringer right now. Yeah. As far as the superhero community, especially. Rough chain of events. Um, the Fantastic Four has been mostly untouched by this. I mean, Reed Richards was pro-registration, so he was just kind of the one gathering people around. Um, so when that all ended, he was still on technically the winning side. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he, the Fantastic Four themselves have, are pretty much just where you would expect them to be, just status quo. Okay. Um, but then the Skrull invasion was won by... Uh, uh, the final blow, I should say, was made by Norman Osborn. That's why he has so much power right now, because everyone started like worshipping him after yeah, that yeah. By, for saving the world. Okay. Um, so that's where we start this run. Norman Osborn's in charge, trying to like keep control over superheroes, very much still the Superhero Registration Act. Okay. Um, and he has this team called the Thunderbolts, which is basically uh, Marvel's version of the Suicide Squad. Oh, uh, a horrible name. <laughs> <laughs> Thunderbolts. It's very, uh, it's, it's it's an old school name. It, it holds up. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it's got its niche, but yeah, it's kind of, it's a little, it's a little cheesy, cheesy for my It sounds uh, my a little taste. proud for how much a piece of shits are on that team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's way too cheery for as yeah. sinister We're as it is. We're the Thunderbolts. Oh yeah, by the way, we murder people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're extremely sinister. This guy eats people. <laughs> yeah, because Venom is like the, really the only member of the Thunderbolts we see in this arc. It's Matt Gargan Venom, yeah, uh, Scorpion yeah. Venom. Okay. Uh, so he'll show up just to set up some of the characters there so that's where we start this run the the dark rain stuff itself is almost secondary in this run but it is it is kind of a catalyst for what all happens yeah exactly um because reed richards is the reason i wanted to set all that up why we took so much time explaining all that is because this arc is like all about that yeah that stuff we said very reed centric because reed richards is sitting here in the wake of all this you know he knows he's fucked up like he knows a lot of this is his fault mm. um so he's going like where but there are people who are it's more of their fault than his well that's what yeah, he's, he's like who, who, who else like who, who can i blame more yeah. <laughs> someone else's fault i'm sure um but yeah so what his idea is is i'm gonna build a machine that's basically like a periscope into other realities mm-hmm. um he builds this it's it's like a it's, ju- it's professor farnsworth uh what if machine yeah, it's like a what if machine exactly <laughs> the thing longer um to set up what it looks like it basically looks like a big stargate even like with a ramp leading up to it yeah almost identical yeah so um so he uses this as like i said a periscope to see like where things went wrong because he can tell the computer like okay narrow it down to how many universes uh did a civil war and Mm -hmm. it's like okay well that narrows down to five hundred thousand universes and he's like all right um well if the civil war happened how many of them had peaceful resolutions and it narrows it down again so he can kind of use it to find different scenarios that might have worked yeah it's just different uh, equations so he's in here building this machine and he doesn't tell anyone else in the Fantastic Four what's going on. So they yeah. come in, and, like they catch Reed building this machine, and they're like, uh, "What are you doing?" And he's like, oh, "I can't really explain. It's a Reed thing. Just leave me be." Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, like after all the shit you've put us through, like after all you've been this like behind the scenes planning, not telling us anything. Like we should know what this is. Yeah, looks uh, looks like it's definitely a thing. Yeah, it's gonna be bad news. The machine itself is called the Bridge. Uh, I bring that up because the Bridge is it, it. This machine is kind of a setup for a lot of the Hickman Marvel saga. Yeah, because isn't this whole run called the Bridge? Or uh, just, well, this arc is five called issues. The bridge, I think, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Because this, this, this machine comes up, again, in Fantastic Four. It comes up in his Avengers run, which comes after this, which I highly recommend to everybody as well. Okay. Um, so it comes up a lot. Uh, but he basically says, like, I can't help it. Like, I have to do these things because my mind just keeps going and I can't stop it. Like, I have to know where things went wrong. I have to keep learning. I can't, like, you know, slow down and do this. Like, mm-hmm. this is Reed, like, while he's still very much in work-only, forget-my-family mode. Where it's like he kind of just forgets that, like, hey, these are human beings and, like, they would like to talk to me every once in a while. Yeah, it's like, well, like, uh, if I don't save the world, they're not going to be around for me to talk to them. Right. Like, I, I got to do this now. There's no time to talk. Right. But then it's just like, no, they're going to fucking leave. Yeah. Which, which is a, a theme of the entire, like, that's why I think Hickman writes a good Reed Richards because it's that balance. Mm-hmm. It's like what, what makes Reed Richards interesting is, like, all this, you know, the cool shit he does. But at the same time, like, what's the cost of that? Yeah, exactly. So I like that. Um, as this is all going on, while they're looking at this machine, Reed like Reed's like, just leave, leave the room. Let me have my time with my machine. I'm, I'm gonna lock the door, and <laughs> I'm gonna private be, time, damn it. <laughs> I'm gonna be in here with my private think time. Leave me the hell alone. And they're like, all right, fine, do your thing. And they and they leave him to do his thing. And he turns the machine on and locks the door. But unfortunate timing, as this is going on, uh, we mentioned uh, Norman Osborn and his you know crew of uh, Dark Avengers. Essentially, um, they're about to storm the Baxter Building because Norman Osborn at this point is like they're just they're not listening to anything I'm telling them. They're just mm. doing Fantastic Four shit and they're not respecting uh, you know my authority here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so he's like, well, I'm gonna you know bust in. I'm gonna you know break the windows, come in with my squad, and show them what's what. So as as Reed activates the machine. Um, like the, the the rest of the Fantastic Four are just like going downstairs to like help clean. Uh, but as as Norman Osborn's crew breaks in, they cut the power yeah. as their first move towards infiltrating the building. Perfect timing. Yeah, it's it's awful timing because <laughs> as the power gets cut, it's right as Reed's turning on his machine to see these other realities. Mm-hmm. So now it's like, now what the fuck is going to happen? Because you yep. just opened a real a experimental reality warping machine, and now you have uh, variables of power, which is not going to be good. Yeah, which just gives it a surge of power. Right. So what happens is the elevator stops. The Fantastic Four are like, what's happening? <laughs> let's, and, let's get a look at the situation. Yeah. And uh, you just see this like light go out at the top of the Baxter building. And they're like, what the fuck? And they're like, Ben, like rip us out of here. We'll get we'll climb down the elevator shaft like the other, other, the other two of us can fly. We'll be fine. Um, but the problem that ends this issue is uh, Ben opens the door and they are literally like in a prehistoric uh I think it's the Savage Land because you see it's like a prehistoric land, but there's also like X Men Sentinels in the background. I think it's supposed to be like a prehistoric celestial. Oh, in the oh, oh, you might you're right. That might be a celestial. I thought it was. I, I a think sentinel I was. I think first. I was reading some about that. No, it, yeah, I think you are right because the one in the back looks more like a sentinel. The okay. one in the front, I, th- I thought for a second, or the one in the back looks more like a celestial. I mean, the one in the front, I thought looked like a, uh, yeah, a sentinel. No, but it for makes sure. more sense be- those being celestials. I think you're right. Okay. I-, I like this final shot of Reed just like using the machine. Like, yeah, I'm having fun. He's, he's having like his O face as he's like looking through <laughs> the different universes. It's like, oh man, this is dope. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, I'm so awesome. I'm so high. <laughs> <laughs> on myself um and what's cool valeria and franklin are awesome in this arc as well um, yeah they were great because as we've just set up the first issue i mean the whole fantastic four are out of commission yeah they're indisposed like reed richards is like literally in his like uh like what if machine just fucking off he doesn't know what the yeah, hell's he's happening. like in between dimensions literally this whole arc all, uh, pretty much ends without him knowing anything that's going on in the tower <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> he's, he's in this machine the whole time yep um so, so like, oh man my day went great <laughs> <laughs> i found out so much cool stuff wait what's going on <laughs> 
<laughs> oh shit. Um, and so literally, it's Franklin and Valeria in the ho- in the building by themselves, and it turns into Home Alone. Yeah, <laughs> literally, like they're the first line of defense against Norman Osborn and his fucking uh, thunderbolts. Yeah, so I love this. It's literally like Home Alone with Valeria and Franklin, like just pranking Norman Osborn. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> we we didn't mention it before, but one of the first shots is Franklin, like he he's having his cowboy phase. Yeah, he's yeah. like a little kid, so he's like, I'm a cowboy now. Yeah, that's exactly. my thing. Everyone did it. Yeah, um, and, and he's just pointing his guns at the thunderbolts, like being like, "I'm gonna shoot you." Yeah, he's got the, the classic orange tip like revolvers. Yeah, and like the soldiers are kind of gathering around, just laughing at him. But yeah, like ah, what a little scamp. Uh huh. And uh, one thing I should set up with Valeria too is she is like a super genius. I was gonna say because I, I I know that they have kids, obviously, but I didn't know what the extent of their like abilities. Or yeah, they both are. have powers. Okay, essentially, I assumed, um, especially at the end of this, they kind of give a big clue of uh, Frankie's. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so while uh. Franklin's pointing these like orange-tipped pistols at these guys in the background. Valeria's using it as a distraction to mm-hmm. build a weapon. Yeah, just uh, assembles a fucking yeah, like, like laser Tony Stark rifle. out of scraps. <laughs> uh, and, and she picks it up and points it at them and like, whoa, 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 kid, slow down. What is that thing? <laughs> and uh, she gets them to like back off, and like her and Franklin are able to retreat into the Baxter Building to like make a plan. Yeah, it's a bold move. Yeah, and then Valeria tells him like on the way out, like, oh, that that thing I built works, but it's not a gun; it's like a cell phone. Yeah, <laughs> it's not gonna help us. <laughs> it was a bluff. So there's essentially three different stories going on right now because we have Valeria and Franklin doing their Home Alone plot against Norman Osborn. Mm -hmm. We have Reed Richards just like exploring his what if machine. And then we have um, Johnny Storm, Sue Storm, and uh, Ben Grimm like literally like in the what if, what the hell's happening world going like, where the fuck are we? (laughs) So there's three things going on at once here. And uh, like I mentioned, Valeria is a super genius. So it's pretty easy for her to deduce where things went wrong. She's like, all the power went out. Like they must have cut this. Yeah. So the two of them flee to where the power was cut and Valeria is able to actually repair it. So Franklin and Valeria turn on the power and it, does fuck with things a little bit, but I don't know if it makes things better or worse. Cause well, it it's just... kind of funny, too, because I think, like, either bef- right before or after that, Reed even has, like, an existential moment where it's, like, where it's, like, men like me, like, we're the only ones who can do things and, like, not worry about the consequences, like, the things that need to get done that, like, other men would, like ponder on too much because they would be afraid of what would happen or how then, responsible they would be for it happening. And then his daughter Valeria is like, yeah. fuck it, I'm going to do what's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good call out. I like that yeah, line. Like, it's, yeah. a, it's a great moment. It's a good, uh, you know, uh, comparison between Reed and his daughter, whereas his daughter's just like, no, just fucking do it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So as we mentioned, Reed Richards, uh, during all this time, is just exploring different realities. So it's kind of cool seeing, um, I mean, one thing I want to call out is when I th- uh, Jonathan Hickman, I think the character he is best with is the genius asshole, because he's so good at just like, uh, that inner dialogue of like what a genius would be thinking and the things like the scenarios he'd be imagining are mm-hmm. always like it's really cool seeing like that in pen to paper um, because he's really good like writing Reed Richards Namor um, Black Panther characters like that who you're just like uh, there's a lot of gears turning at all times and yeah, yeah. kind of getting a, a peer into it mm-hmm. um, so it's kind of cool seeing like what lines he draws like where could things have gone wrong like could this have fixed it and how he sees similarities in different scenarios here yeah yeah um because as he goes through the different civil war scenarios one thing he notices is like you know there's some peaceful resolutions here like sometimes when tony stark's not fighting it like we win handedly and then it just is over immediately without any kind of conflict Mm -hmm. but a lot of the peaceful resolutions he sees are not good solutions i think that's the key thing that we see here consistently exactly he's like how many of these could have worked and every single peaceful solution he finds to this is just like terrible Mm -hmm. it's like either (laughs) like complete oppression by like tony and and uh his crew yep or it's like in the scroll invasion case it's like oh this is scenario two where the scroll win peaceful resolution not great yeah (laughs) yeah 
in uh, in the alternate realities that Ben and Sue and Johnny are kind of like literally just falling through because the scenarios keep changing for them. They just keep going to different realities and they're like, what's happening? Yeah, what's they're going just on? jumping wherever Reed's going. Um, so they go to like this uh, kind of medieval kind of fantasy environment, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, this is one of the best ones. Yeah, this is great because Johnny Storm is like a golden knight who's like a Kingsguard for Sue. Sue is the queen. Mm-hmm. And uh, her assistant is uh, Chamberlain Grimm, <laughs> who's Ben Grimm with this like a monocle. He looks all fancy. <laughs> yeah, he's fancy as hell. And uh, Tony Stark is leading like a, a band of rebels outside the castle trying to like bring down the wealthy because he's like no we should all be equal we should all be free he's like leave, leading an uprising yep. and this version of Sue Storm is like nah nay we will keep our crown <laughs> and uh, he's like what are we going to do what are we going to tell the uprising like what are we going to do Ben Grimm and he's like well Tis the clobbering hour. <laughs> that, great. that was one of my favorite. And now, now I finally get the gif. Yeah, we made uh, a, a gif emote of that on the uh, comic book di- on our server Discord for yeah, the podcast. Yeah. So now we've been just spamming that everywhere. Oh, you gotta. Um, we made a really good one of from the movie as well of a Fantastic Four wave. We'll talk about that one later too. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, but if you want access to those uh, those Discord emotes, uh, you just gotta sign up at the one dollar level to get that invite oh, to the Discord. Server. Oh yeah, it's gonna plug that right now while we're in here. <laughs> you gotta one dollar. Come on, to get that emote, I would pay. Thousands of dollars. Oh, it's worth plenty. <laughs> uh, but it's cool seeing that uh, as it, because this uh, whole issue, like each page is almost like a different side of these three different stories that go on. So in Reed Richards' head, like when he's so- seeing these different scenarios, it's cool seeing like the different ones that did result in, uh, like, you know, Hank Pym seems to be another uh, catalyst because Hank, like a lot of the scenarios where like things don't get fucked or where he's like imprisoned as well. Yeah, you can kind of tell where a lot of Reed's disdain stands cuz uh, most of the time he sees a lot of situations where he he I think he even has a thought where it's like uh one of the biggest variables in things going wrong is Tony Stark or Hank Pym. Right, he's always looking at other people yeah. and like what they could have done differently. Exactly. Like you get rid of these two people and things go way better. Right. So to to like a person who's all about ego like Reed Richards, he looks at all of this and he's like, "Wait, the only scenarios that turned out well are when I acted alone. Like I can't rely on anyone else. I'm the guy for the job yeah and i'm like it's it's interesting like seeing him like go through these because he's not totally wrong but he's definitely missing the point exactly of like everything he's seeing like he's getting the data he sees like the trends but like he's not he's not he's willfully blind to like what it's implying Mm mm-hmm uh, speaking of the Illuminati, as the um, as as Ben and Sue and Johnny kind of keep warping through, we go to a third world, which is like a um, like a pirate world. Yeah, it's like I a guess. space pirate. Yeah, it's like modern day pirates because literally they have two helicarriers, but instead of helicarriers, they're flying pirate ships. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's really that's why I love the arcs. Each uh, like spread page that opens these issues is amazing. Like this double page spread of the two like helicarrier pirate ships is badass. I yeah, like this that. must have been really fun for the artists on yeah. this because like they just went wild. Wild. And Chamberlain Grimm gets like transported with them this time, so now there's like two Ben Grimm's fighting along, and he's like, I don't know what's going on, good chap. <laughs> it's like, I've never seen such a flying machine. <laughs> uh, but the reason I brought up the Illuminati is because it's cool, because this version of Sue Storm is, uh, she's posing as like the uh, like the pirate wench, like she's like, yar, and she's like missing a tooth. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then she goes to the basement, and she's actually like an undercover agent for like the uh, medieval like pirate Illuminati, <laughs> yeah. which is pretty cool, because we get like a, uh, like a Jack Sparrow looking Doctor Strange. Yep, yeah. And- Amazing. Uh, yep, sitting with Reed Richards and like Black Bolt and Tony Stark. Um, so it's cool seeing those parallels where it's like, yeah, the Illuminati seems to happen a lot. Like mm-hmm. that's inevitable. Oh yeah. Um, and it's they parallel that with Reed Richards investigating the Illuminati and his side too, um, because he looks at like different instances of the Illuminati being created and like what happens with that too. Um, like he looks at a universe where the Illuminati basically took full control. Um, and the first thing they do is like use the Jean Grey as the Phoenix to like obliterate the Kree and like 
or the uh, the scroll, I should say. Sorry. Yeah, that was an interesting idea. It's a really cool spread too. On it's like a half page panel of her basically like igniting like an atom bomb on, yeah. the, on the scroll's planet, and it it is brutal. Yeah, basically doing like what she did to the uh, I forget what I forget what the name of them are in the uh, in the original Dark Phoenix run, but in the original Dark Phoenix run, like that's the first thing the Phoenix does is like charge herself in a star, which obliterates a solar system, killing gotcha. like billions. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that's essentially what the Illuminati are doing here. They're deploying Jean Grey like a weapon. Yeah, they're just using her as a freaking bomb. Yep, and then they even say, like, Reed Richards, like, as he's watching this, says, like, but the Illuminati knew that the Phoenix couldn't be contained, so they immediately killed her, Yeah, too. exactly. So it's rough. You just see, like, Jean doing this and then getting, like, obliterated. Yep. The Illuminati are not good. I, yeah, no. <laughs> Anytime you get a group of, like, rich, powerful assholes who think they know what's best for everyone is never a good idea. Nope. <laughs> um, they're really interesting to read about, but the whole thing is like watching a train wreck happen. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> uh, and reading the Illuminati, they deploy the Phoenix, kill Jean Grey, and then Reed Richards basically does the same thing, but then kills all the Illuminati. <laughs> yeah, He's literally like, just murders them all. Like, well, I couldn't let people that evil go on living, so I killed them all. <laughs> oh, great. What the hell does I make you? Yeah. So, so instead of seven evil assholes, we just have one. <laughs> yeah, the great. Biggest one. Big improvement. <laughs> and so Reed Richards, like I said, he's taking all the wrong lessons from this because he looks at that and he's like, oh, okay, so I win if I act alone. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> Is no, this what no. you call a good idea? <laughs> like, he sees what's wrong with those ideas, but he like he gives it him ideas for like, oh, no, no, what they did was obviously wrong, but... Yeah, he's just missing that yeah. one piece of vital information. But, he, but the but. Yeah. <laughs> A couple of these worlds he looks at, too, I think are Easter eggs towards, like, what Hickman is planning for his run. Really? Because they even call out, like, this one where he looks at Battleworld. Uh, Secret Wars was, like, a story from the 80s that I haven't read because a lot of people tell me it's just, like, a story designed to sell toys. Okay. Um, but it was basically a story where this character called the Beyonder, who was, like, a stand-in for, like, a comic book fan, essentially, destroyed the world and rebuilt it. It's hmm. just an arena for his heroes to fight. Okay. Um, and it was called Battleworld. Oh. And so uh, Hickman kind of does a twist on that later on in the run. Hmm. So that's why I think it's cool that he sets it up here. Like, he views a universe where, like, that, like, played out differently. Yeah, yeah. And he says, like... Uh, this Earth new piece, as all heroes and villains were transported to a reimagined battle world. This war was not so secret. Secret <laughs> war. <laughs> this war was not so secret. It's a little on the nose. What would it be, some kind of secret war? <laughs> uh, back in the Baxter building, we mentioned the Home Alone battle. That has not uh, that has not ended, because Norman Osborn's like, like you guys just got all outsmarted by a couple of little kids. You guys are worthless. So he brings in Venom. Oh, yeah. And uh, Valeria, like a badass, like meets Norman Osborn and Venom in the lobby. They're like, all right, you can come in. Like, technically, you're allowed to. But she takes out the paper of, like, the, the warrant, essentially. Yeah, she starts giving him, like, the bureaucratic red tape. Oh, yeah. She, <laughs> like, she's like, I actually read this. You probably didn't expect I would, but I did. Yeah. Um, but in here, it says that this is going to be a one-on-one -on -one meeting with you and the Fantastic Four. So actually, your friends can wait outside. Yep. Uh, and so Norman's like, well, shit, technically I'm, like, on the side of the law. Like, that, I wrote that shit. <laughs> yeah, damn she's it. right. <laughs> uh, and so, and, and at this, but at the same time, Norman's like, well, these are a couple little brats. Like, I can handle this. So Norman oh, yeah. goes off with Valeria and Franklin. Well, I should say he goes off with Valeria because as Valeria takes him around the corner, Franklin wearing a Spider-Man ma Spider Spider mask, mask yeah. but, which, by the way, is his favorite superhero, which is hilarious. So, uh, that's canon. <laughs> yeah, no, that's canon. That comes up a lot, that gotcha. Spider-Man's his favorite because Johnny Storm is like, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> um, so he puts on his Spider-Man mask, but he's still got the Western uniform, and he's like, put him up. He's like, nice hair, loser. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be said, if it hasn't come up, uh, Norman Osborn is sporting some interesting cornrows. Yeah, that's always how Norman Osborn looks, like ever since, even in the Stan Lee stuff. I was going to say, like, is that just how it looked in, like, the old school drawings? Yeah, and I don't it just, know. like, stuck? I don't know what the explanation is, because I don't really understand how this is supposed to look in a real life 
uh, image. That's what I'm saying because there, are, like, some panels it doesn't look as like defined, but on this one with this where it's the page with uh, Franklin, like in the Spider-Man mask, like literally the panel above it, it's like a side shot of Norman, and it's like defined cornrows, and it just looks right. It, but and, it's like horizontal, and they and weird. like a lot of times people will make fun of him saying like nice cornrows, and I'm like, because I to me when I looked at it, I never like it never looked like cornrows to me. At least I. Didn't think it could be just like wavy. It, this looked like wavy or like shadowy, but like yeah. people do call it cornrows. So yeah. I don't know if like they actually have cornrows because that would be very weird. Yeah, I, I can't see Norman Osborn taking the time to like put like do cornrows and like take care of his hair. Right. <laughs> yeah, and his son has it too, so it's like a natural. Oh, thing. Harry has it too. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's just the maybe way that. Yeah, it must just be like an art thing that just got carried on and carried on. It's like now, you, now you can't just not draw them that yeah, way now. It's a side effect of the goblin right. or something. <laughs> yeah, the goblin hair. <laughs> yeah. Causes his hair to recede in very weird ways. And be all wavy. <laughs> One page I want to call out, too, because I thought this was just a really well-written page in general. Or a couple pages, I should say, because it's one of the realities that Reed's looking at. The Venom one? Um, actually, this isn't even a, a reality Reed's looking at. This is one that Sue and Ben and Johnny are, fell into. Yep. Because their, their world is collapsing faster and faster. Like, it used to be, like, one setting per issue, but now it's, like, Yeah, cycling. time is, like, slowly compressing. Right. They go through, like, an old western town. They go through, like, a World War One town. Yeah. Now they're in, like, a, a Cree future, essentially. Because uh, what re- basically what we see here is it looks like they're on the Cree planet, but instead of the Cree supreme intelligence, um, it's like Reed Richards' head in a jar. Yeah, it's trippy. Um, and f- people might know this from the Captain Marvel movie, but yeah, the Cree worship this like supreme intelligence. It's a hive mind. Yeah, they they basically once you die, you download your mind. The smartest people download their minds into the hive mind, and they become like the world leader. Okay, who's just like ever living with all these evolving you know viewpoints. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in this universe seems to be a world where they might even be on Earth because this might be a world where Reed Richards just did the same thing to himself because that seems like a <laughs> that, Reed Richards thing to do. That's actually a pretty cool idea. Yeah, so Reed Richards is like, fuck your supreme intelligence. I'm the supreme <laughs> intelligence. I am God. I'm going to put my head in a big box. <laughs> um, but uh, we don't know exactly what's happening in this, but it seems like from the implication, like maybe the Skrull teamed up with the symbiotes or maybe got taken over by the symbiotes. Yeah, e- either one. Because we see a bunch of Skrulls as Venoms, like crawling all over the, the planet as if the planet's about to be taken over. Yeah, it's army of Venom Skrulls. Yeah, and there's uh, a really good line by Reed Richards, who is the supreme intelligence in here, like, you know, basically shouting the last words of a dying planet. Mm-hmm. Um, because all these people are surrounding around the, the Reed Richards supreme intelligence going like, what do we do? Like, what's the next plan? Like, what do we do here? And he's like, we're fucked. We're absolutely <laughs> fucked. <laughs> there's nothing we can do. There's no plan. And uh, one, one line I really like, I want to quote this verbatim, because like, it's literally the last thing this supreme intelligence says as he's getting like swarmed by these venom clones um he says like all societies fail but we have failed to deal with this threat adequately we compromised our beliefs and accepted corrupt leadership we tolerated inner decay we chose peace instead of a a conscientious society oof yeah that's so yeah a little bit of complacency yep so that's how i got some real world parallels too which i like there oh Um, yeah it's like we we accepted peace even though it was shitty peace and it wasn't peace for everybody yeah exactly now we're we're paying the price for it yep um and he says a black heart grew within the body of our state and we tried understanding it instead of eradicating it and now it's too late yeah (laughs) big fucking oof there Bit relevant yep this cancer will kill us all are his last words yep uh, and so Reed Richards, uh, having seen everything, like we said, he comes to the conclusion that the only way I win is by acting alone and by acting with force. And then he even has a moment where he's like, is this total arrogance? And I'm like, yes. Yep. <laughs> like, he even knows it, but he's so egotistical, he can't right. admit is it. Is this total arrogance? No, 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 no. No, no, no. Something else, I'm sure. This is me I'm talking to. Because, like, he's getting some of the right ideas. He's like, uh, he, he, 
because he thinks I'm not doing enough, which is reasonable for him to think because mm-hmm. everything's going wrong. Yeah. So he's thinking like I'm not doing enough or I'm not doing things right. So Reed, uh, you know, looks at all this and he's like, "All right, I have what I need," and he shuts off the machine. And doing so brings the the rest of the Fantastic Four back, and they're like, "What the fuck just happened to us?" <laughs> and Reed Richards steps out of his machine, and he's like, "Oh, hey there, I'm back." And so, and Sue's like, "Holy shit, thank you." Like, yeah. I have no idea what we've been through. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And uh, Reed looks around. And he's like, uh, "Where are the kids?" And the next page flip we get to is literally Franklin and uh, Valeria running away from Norman Osborn as he shoots at them. Yeah, literally he's, shooting at them. He's shooting at these kids. He's like, fuck it. Bam. Yeah. We'll blast them. I'm, I'm like, Norman Osborn. He's not hitting them, but it's like, holy shit. Still, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then as that happened, there's a great spread page, too, where the Fantastic Four are back now, and it shows them, like, you know, ready to fight a full spread page of them confronting Norman Osborn, and Sue's like, get the fuck away from my children. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's really good, and that sets us up for the final issue where they're going to be going to battle. The, the cover is a little bit misleading, which is disappointing because it shows Norman in his Iron Patriot armor. And I was going to say, uses it. yeah, because yeah, I, I looking back at that cover, I was like, wait, like that never showed up. Yeah, no. He, he uses it in the Dark Avengers. Like he does wear okay. it. It's just not in this in this arc. I guess he just never had the opportunity. Because gotcha. he got tricked into coming farther into the building by himself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and at this point, like when he runs into the Fantastic Four, the first thing uh, Sue does is put a force field box around them, trapping Norman Osborn in with them. Good move. Yep. And so the, the soldiers invent them they do arrive and they're like oh shit like we're here to help you boss and like norman osborne's stuck in a cube with them <laughs> and no one else can get to him and he's like i'm willing to admit i'm at a disadvantage here <laughs> yeah yeah he knows so, so he puts the gun away he's like all right we uh let's talk let's talk this out yeah let's be diplomatic so it's kind of cool that the, the second the fantastic four show up they have this shit under control it's like no 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 norman like you thought you had this get yeah the fuck exactly out of my way. yeah walking through here like it's easy yeah shooting at my yeah, fucking shooting kids. at fucking kids Jesus. my kids and so like norman osborne's like all right fine like if you agree to let me go i'll, I'll leave peacefully and reed's like you're gonna do like more than fucking that yeah <laughs> after <laughs> you this you should shot at my kids yeah and so reed's like no the only way you're getting out of here is if you leave forever never come back like this is this building's off limits to you yeah and uh like we're not taking any of your shit and Norman Osborn's like, all right, I'll agree to it, but you know this isn't over. You know I'm not going to keep my word on this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He pretty much says that. Uh, he's like, fine, like, I'll leave for now. I'll say I'm not going to do it, but fuck you. Like, you know you're going to lose in the end. Yeah, and at the same time, it sucks because, like, the, fa- the Fantastic Four can't actually do anything to him. Right. Uh, and and even Norman like takes a cheap shot because the second Reed turns away, Norman's gonna shoot him in yeah, the head. Yeah, dude. Yeah, he literally just pulls out a gun like he's gonna shoot him in the back of the head. And then one of the crazier parts is uh, you see a blam and the, it's a page turn, so you're like, oh shit. Yeah. But then when you page turn, it's Norman Osborn getting shot. Yeah, because like, it's a page turn, so you're like, oh, like Reed just knew it was gonna come and he like stretched his way out of the way of the bullet. Yeah, you're thinking that at least. Yeah, at least. But the twist here is cool because Norman Osborn gets shot and he's like, what the fuck? Yeah, who else had a gun? And we turn and we see Franklin. Literally, it, the, it clearly has an orange tip on it. Yeah, there's no, like, exit. With a toy gun, shot Norman Osborn. And yeah, we're all, like... Surprisingly, smoke coming off the barrel, though. And, and nobody, like, brings it up except for uh, except for Johnny. He's like, that was a toy gun. Are we going to talk about this? <laughs> yeah. It's like, your son just shot me. Yeah, but everyone else is just too heated. They're like, I'm going to fuck up Norman Osborn. Right. Which is fair. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Um. So, yeah, so that's kind of an unanswered question that it does get expanded on, obviously. But it's like, how did Franklin do that? I'm assuming some kind of psychic powers? Um. Well, I'll tell you this, Franklin is a mutant. Oh, well, I would assume, yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, I think you knew that from reading the, the Hickman uh, Fantastic, yeah, House of X, or the yeah. House of X Hickman uh, X-Men stuff. Yeah. Because that comes up again, Franklin being a mutant. Yeah, I remember uh, that coming up. I don't think Valeria is a mutant. I think she's just super smart, but Franklin definitely has powers. Yeah, because doesn't, is it Magneto or Professor X that tells him that, like, any you know, Franklin's welcome anytime? I think it was Cyclops. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yep. 
Uh, yeah, because he, he tells Mr. Fantastic, he's like, your son's a mutant. He's welcoming Krakoa. Yeah, yeah. That's I, right. I'd love to cover that. Damn, I want to cover that. Dude, I now. really would, too. It's so good. Yeah. That, <laughs> everyone, uh, Jonathan Hickman's just a good writer. Oh, he's amazing. Read, read all of his stuff. Um, but yeah, this art kind of Especially ends. if you like data pages, which I know a lot of people don't, but I love Oh, I, I love data pages. I love data, data pages. Data pages, maps, put that, put that shit in my veins. Yeah, and the data pages in House of X and Powers of X are just prime. Yep, there's not really any data pages in this, but it does come up later in the It's really just form. like the, op- the at the beginning of each issue, it has like the family tree and like the character tree yeah. of like the d- different dimensions. Helps you keep track of like the, all the different bangrins yeah. and whatnot. Exactly, you know? yeah. So they're minor, but there's some. Yep. And, um, especially if you like that, like, the Avengers stuff gets, like, really, like, that's where, like, the whole, like, oh, he loves charts, like, that meme came from. Oh, that, yeah, Because yeah. there's a ton of charts and shit in that Avengers okay. one. It's all, like, multiverse, like, craziness. Gotcha. Um, so it, it's really, really fun, though. I highly recommend that uh, that Avengers run as a trip. Okay. Um, but this arc ends with uh, a twist, because Sue goes up to Reed, and she's like, that machine is clearly fucked. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're not doing that get again. Get rid of that thing right now. <laughs> and uh, and he gets strong-armed. He's like, but do I have to? Yeah. She's like, yes. But do I? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely fucking yes. Yeah, and then he pulls the asshole move of like, oh, I'll tear it apart piece by piece. Yeah, like, Which he does, and then puts it back together right. one last time. It's like, Those words seem carefully chosen. No, yeah. no, 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 no. I'll tear it apart piece by piece. You mean you'll destroy it? Piece by piece. <laughs> God damn it. I don't Reed. like the way you're saying that. Because, <laughs> yes, he does. He Say it without the wink this time. Because basically all he does is he takes it out of the Baxter building yeah. and hides it. Exactly. He's like, this will be my hidden little thingy. <laughs> Which is always a great idea. I'm going in my private closet. Don't bother me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the final twist of this is he turns on the machine again now that he's moved it. And uh, he's like, I have one final question. Like, in how many universes did other reeds build a bridge? Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, fuck, this is a can of worms. You shouldn't be doing this. No, it's like seeing no, a painting no. of a painting of a painting. Yep. It's like, this is going to be a problem now. Exactly. And as soon as he asks that question, the, the bridge, like, turns itself on. Yeah, like, freaking Google like, Homes He's about it. to hit the button, and it's like... Yeah. And, and he's like, what the fuck? And he just sees this light and all these figures behind, and he's like, oh, Reed, like, you asked the question, like... Um, like we have an answer for you. You what you want to do more, right? You want to solve everything, and he's like, yes. Yep. And so literally, that becomes Reed's new goal. We see him like in a room that's like, uh, I like this room. It's like he calls it like his thinking room. It's like all whiteboard, like a uh, cube whiteboard all around, and he can just wipe it out whenever he wants digitally. Oh yeah, yeah. So he's literally just like walking through his thoughts, <laughs> like, his, like his head palace. Yeah, yeah. And so he's in there, and he just erases something. And he's like, "New, new, new idea. Idea number one hundred and one: solve everything." <laughs> he's like, "Oh shit!" So th- yeah, that's going to be the theme of the whole Fantastic Four run, and even the Avengers, because Fan- uh, Mister Fantastic is in uh, New Avengers. He's a big part of that run too. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be a big part of it: is solve everything. Basically, put the weight of all the world's problems and all the, the these unanswerable things, and just try to fix it, even if you have to force your hand in there. Um, yeah, so it's gonna sounds be like a great idea. Uh, <laughs> and this arc doesn't reveal who these figures are in the light. That'll be something for the pretty much right where this picks up in the main Fantastic Four book. They're um, not like fucking alternate versions of Reed, are they? No shit, you, you just guessed it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind. I feel like that's kind of you obvious. set it up to, uh, to a guessable point. Yeah, because it's kind of like who else built this, and if he's the smartest one who built it, then other and they ones... show up right when he asks the question, exactly. as if like, they know how he thinks. They knew he was going to ask it. Yep. Yeah. So. yeah. So yeah, that, that's what the next 
next arc is called The Council of Reeds. Ah, uh, yeah. It's pretty fucking cool. <laughs> so the name spoils it. It's pretty fucking cool. It's, yeah, it's, no, that, it's that's, really good. I, I really like that concept, actually. That's great. Yeah, so that's where we'll stop covering it for the podcast, because the whole Hick... Like, if we really wanted to get into Hickman, it would be, like, hundreds of issues. Yeah, it's, it'd, have it's a, a, it'd have to be a deep dive. I, I, I think it's, like, a must-read for anyone who likes comics, especially Marvel comics. It's a must-read saga. So I highly recommend, like, if you liked this, use this as your starting point. Like, just go into Fantastic Four number 570. You can find a reading order online. It's not mm-hmm. that hard, though. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, because for me, like, I mean, going into this, I've this is I think this might be my like first actual Fantastic Four book I've read. I've read. Yeah, for and, a like, lot of people, I think this is a good start. Because I mean, admittedly, I've never really been super gravitated towards the Fantastic. Like, I haven't really like disliked them, but I've just never well, been. And super people our age grew them. up on the worst versions of. The oh yeah, Fantastic ex- exactly. Like, like all the, we know are the movies. The movie versions have not helped their image at all. Right, but, like, and they, those were so bad to the point where Marvel stopped publishing the Fantastic Four and like pretended they didn't. Oh my exist. god, really? Yeah, it was like a five year <laughs> period where they just pretended the Fantastic Four didn't exist. Oh, that's it. Was just like Johnny and Ben on different teams. Like oh, they were on man. the Guardians of the Galaxy, random Ugh. shit. Yeah, it's ugly. Yeah, but so, but yeah, so I totally agree. Like, this is a great, like, jumping on point for it. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I highly recommend you can go from that into Avengers. Pretty much, or you, you can go from Avengers into X Men. There's similarities oh, even yeah. from that jump. It's pretty cool. Um, so, I highly recommend everyone get into that. Um, but that'll bring us to the end of the good content <laughs> because we have to discuss, we're not done yet. We have to discuss the 1994. <laughs> Fantastic uh, Four movie, which, yes, we forced ourselves to sit through the entire thing. Honestly, I feel bad for anyone we made watch this. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't... Okay, yeah. We actually, or that, not make, but anyone we, like, convinced or, like, suggested to watch this. Yeah, well, I mean, anyone, who's, <laughs> anyone who actually sat down is just as masochistic as we are then. Oh, God, <laughs> They yeah. know what they're getting into. Oh, for sure. Um, this movie, uh, just to give people some background, this movie was never intended to be good. It was never even intended to come out. Nope. Um, this movie was literally only made because they were about to lose the rights to the Fantastic Four, and just out of pettiness, they were like, no, we're going to fucking, like, just make whatever you can. Um, the, the, the studio, like, executives, like, were trying to get a Fantastic Four movie made, but, like, they, they no one would commit the money to it. Yeah, yeah. So, literally, he just went to Roger Corman, like, a renowned B-movie director. Like, he's this was supposed to be a B-movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, he's a B-movie director. There's certain, certain stylistic things that are just part of B-movies. Oh, God, So, yeah. like, in that part, I will defend Roger Corman. Like, this was not meant to be... The Avengers. Oh, he know? was given a plate of shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, he did not have a lot to work with. They told with. him to make a B-movie, and he fucking went and did it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, So, yeah, I'm not putting any blame on him for this at all. Although, honestly, like this must have been, I mean, depending on how much you got, I can't imagine they got paid a lot, but this must have been a semi-dream job, because basically he was told to not really... You didn't really have to give a shit. They didn't care how good or bad it was. Oh, you just, just like, have to make turn a it movie. In. Yeah. <laughs> All you have to do is turn it in on time. Yeah, that's it. And that they say that in like the stuff I was reading. Like that's why Roger Corman was chosen. His yeah. he was famous for making movies on under on or under budget and on time. Okay. Like, he would make your movie. Gotcha. And he would get it done. Okay. He would get the thing done. That makes sense. Yeah. So that's why they hired him. Yeah, um, if you've seen Arrested Development too, you know kind oh, yeah. of the story. Because the, the, they, they spoofed this idea a lot. Yeah, the comeback of Arrested Development did a whole like season that kind of spoofed this. Yep. And even the story of it, because they're trying to retain the rights to the Fantastic <laughs> Yeah, board. exactly. Um, so they do a, a pretty funny take yeah, on this. Yeah, it's a great little storyline. The movie itself, like I'll say this. I, I like to call out the things that were good, even in the worst things we watched. And I have a few. <laughs> Honestly, I have more than I thought I might. Okay. Because the script itself is not the worst. The script itself, when you look at it, is basically just these are scientists. On they, paper, yeah. Yeah. Ben, or, uh, Mr. Fantastic and Dr. Doom had a disagreement, caused an accident. Uh, they both had similar ideas about the solar flare that's coming by. Yeah. So Reed Richards launches his own uh, spaceship to investigate it, and that's when shit happens. And then 
I'm basically explaining the whole plot right here because it's very simple. Yeah, um, but doc- I mean that's also a pretty stand like that's a pretty standard Fantastic Four story. Oh yeah, no, it's not winning any screenwriting awards. No, but, it's, but yeah, it's fine. You know, it's functional. Like the characters are like if if that's something you care about, like did they get the characters right? They kind of they pretty much do here for they the do. most part. The, yeah. the biggest problem is that the people who portrayed them did a horrible job. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of the acting is not <laughs> expectedly. Great. I want to call this out before we start ripping on the rest of the actors because I will say that the guy who plays Ben Grimm, not bad. That yeah, called not, that out. Like pretty good actually. Honestly, the thing in this movie in general, I won't say not anything the bad worst. About well, I, I think someone called it out on the Discord. I think even yeah, said on, that on our comic book Discord, a lot of the budget went towards like the thing's costume, and they ran out of money because of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and admittedly, like a lot of the animatronics of it for practical effects don't look terrible. The I only don't even problem think it's is animatronics. I think it's a suit. Yeah, but they, there's definitely some puppetry because the mouth and the lips and the teeth oh, and, the, right. and the eyebrows kind of move. There's gotta too. be it's gotta be complicated at least a little bit. A little bit, because yeah. like it looks pretty. Even when he's talking, it looks pretty. It doesn't good. look he does bad. A good voice for it too. Like the guy who does Ben. Grimm oh yeah. did it like, for sure. Who's Ben Grimm? The I only problem it. is it doesn't really look like the thing. It just looks like a shaved, like bumpy, like weird gorilla. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It doesn't, <laughs> now by nowadays standards, it looks bad. Oh, it's terrible. Um, but it, but yeah, some of the acting is is really bad. Like the guy who yeah. plays Johnny Storm is a nightmare. Oh my That's god, so bad. It's like. He's stuck somewhere in between being like an odd child and like a surfer dude, and yeah. it just does not land in any of the, his lines. To me, it seemed like he was Franklin, but like a grown man. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like Franklin's mind in a grown man's body. Yeah, he's like a grown like four year old. Yeah, it was like big. <laughs> <laughs> like no dancing, piano scenes. <laughs> that might have been it better. Yeah, they could have. The last Fantastic Four movie we talked about had a dancing scene. This one did not. Oh, no, definitely Come on, not. I want to see Reed Richards dancing, damn it. Yeah, and the music in this movie was interesting because it, like, it was very PSA 90s vibes, but at the same time, it I don't know who it was they hired, but they must have went for someone who can make off like generic sounding like, John, uh, Williams John Williams music. Because <laughs> there, seriously, there, there's one specific song that almost sounds exactly like uh, a March song from Star Wars. Yeah. And there's like the Jurassic Park. Yeah, and like, then there's, na, na, there's a straight na, up na. Jurassic Park song, just like two different notes in a different key. It just gives off a weird tone. Jurassic Park Circus. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very odd. Um, but yeah, certain I I had some of my notes in here make it seem like we watched a weird movie because I wrote in here in my notes, Doctor Doom is a cat man. <laughs> I I literally wrote that same thing too because <laughs> the guy who plays Doctor Doom has some weird mannerisms. He must have been like a super like flamboyant like theater actor because all his lines were very it does kind of seem like theater very acting. grandiose. Yeah, like, like with you, his hands and stuff. And yeah. Like I don't know if he was directed to be over the top or like super villainy, but like he took it very seriously. <laughs> There's one part where he's talking to Reed as like still as Victor before. Yeah. Accident. And he, oh, yeah. he like puts his hand up to his head like like a cat. Yeah, literally paws him. at him. And he's like, ooh, ooh. Never mind. I'll put my hand away. I'm like, what was that whole motion? Yeah, what like, are you what, doing? What's happening? Is this normal? But you're yeah. Some of the aesthetics in this movie, like you said, do kind of give off like a like a '90s PSA kind of energy. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> like especially when we first meet Johnny, he's like in front of like a really really old TV, like uh, like laying on his stomach, like an old Nickelodeon ad. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I love the video games. <laughs> Like, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think another good comparison is I think this movie kind of has the energy of like, like, let's say you found your kid's camera and then you were watching it and you're like, oh, my kids tried to make a movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. My kids made a Fantastic Four movie. This is cute. <laughs> Honestly, that's pretty. That tracks pretty well because it does have a very childish vibe. Yeah. It's like, oh, this isn't good. But like they, they tried. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They tried. <laughs> There's kind of scenes edited together here that almost make sense. Yeah, exactly. 
and like, oh my god, do you want me to talk about Reed's powers for a minute? Okay, <laughs> they yeah, this are is fucking... one of the one of the best things about the movie were all the stretch scenes. Oh my god, I was afraid they weren't going to stretch, but they did. And like, oh my god, they did. <laughs> because, oh yeah, they definitely did. And the best part about it is, well, a the sound effect of the, the stretch is just prime. <laughs> <laughs> and the second best thing is, or maybe even better than that, is that like whenever it's a stretch scene. Everything around it has to slow down because the stretching takes so long to like actually go, yeah. and, and so like it just slows down the entire sequence of what's happening. And like they, I think they can make it work from like one perspective. Like it's always like a shot like with the fist coming at you, like exactly. a 3D shot. Yeah, yeah, but like but when there are other people around having to watch this like take place and like progress, it just seems like it's moving at a snail's pace at all times. Yeah, even for a B movie, like this seems like it was made in like the sixties. Like yeah, it's this crazy. is. I mean, okay, well, first this was off, made in nineteen ninety four. Yeah, and like this was never put into theaters. So whatever Never. rip this is is like straight from the editing desk. So oh, like, it is. So that the quality is just the, the worst version thing that we watched. It's only findable through like like online because it was like you said never released. Yeah, you, can, you cannot purchase this movie. No, no. You like no one will take money for it. <laughs> no one will take. There's no one to give money to. So literally, like the rip you have to watch is one that was never intended to look or sound good. So no. it's all just like a blurry, ugly nightmare. Yep. Which is all, and the movie's already poorly lit. So it's like yeah. you're just like a lot. It's hard to even tell who you're looking at. Yep. And like, there's this a this just looks like a generic blob of a white man. <laughs> And anyone who's got a beard, it's just game over. Yep. They're all it's the o- same. It's over then. <laughs> if you got a beard and a hat, you're the same character. I think that's why maybe I think Ben Grimm and Doctor Doom look the best because you can like clearly tell. Oh yeah, like even through like the 320p quality, <laughs> it's you distinguishable. Can, at you least. can tell. Yeah. Also in this movie is a character called the Jeweler, who is yeah, I it's ha- like it's the Jeweler and the Weasel. On IMDb, it was is labeled as the weasel, but it, in the he's credits, called it's the, the jeweler. jeweler. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I don't know what he's supposed to be called, but really, what he he's the mole man. Like, it's, yeah, I, it's mole man. I, I I don't know why they didn't call him the mole man because unless this was a complete coincidence, he is like that's what he is. Like he's a guy who lives underground who leads a bunch of under, other underground like outcast people. Like that's the mole man. Okay. And he the mole man even appears in like Fantastic Four number one by Stan Lee. So, oh like, really? I thought it was just gonna be a layup. Like oh yeah, it's the mole man. Of course. Maybe like, yeah, there could have been some weird restrictions. But no, on, they like, call him the jeweler. It's like you guys didn't even do like a se- open one fantastic four issue and you would know his name open one or it, maybe it was like stanley being like you can't call him the mole man what the fuck yeah <laughs> i mean maybe there was something else because i know that there's probably other like mediums where there's some character called the mole man or something maybe yeah it could have been like a time think, some other franchise i know you maybe. haven't seen it but the incredibles I think that might. This was way after, obviously, but I think mm. that one of the villains in The Incredibles might be the Mole Man. But that that almost feels like it would be a reference. To oh, the it's Fantas- definitely a reference because the whole yeah. in, uh, Incredibles like feels like the Fantastic Four. Oh, it's a par- it's not a parody, but it's definitely inspired from yeah. actual. So I like, think that may, I think that tracks yeah. for sure. But yeah, you look at this movie and it's like now that I know that all the money went to Ben Grimm, it's like now I understand it because I'm watching this being like, where did the money go? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. It didn't go to the lighting. No, nope. didn't go to the actors. Nope. It clearly all went to that Ben Gr- Ben Grimm suit. And oh that's yeah. It. Because even some scenes, it feels like they ran out of money to even film the scenes. Yeah, no, literally. The most egregious example <laughs> this is, the is like after, because after the explosion, Reed and the Fantastic Four get kidnapped by Doctor Doom, and like a fake doctor kind of interviews them. Yeah, they're gonna fight their way out. Like Ben Grimm's like, "All right, I'm ready to leave. Let's do this." Yeah, and then when the guys come in the room next, like they all put up their fists, like a fight's about to happen, and Ben Grimm just goes, "It's clobbering time," and then it's just a what is it, a pyramid? Yeah, like, it transition. The screen like freezes, and then. 
spins in a 2D <laughs> 360 motion, super fast, like almost yeah. like a Batman transition. Exactly. Like, do 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 do. Yep. But then totally. literally it just spins in place, and you just hear wham, punch, slam. <laughs> and then it cuts back, and the fight's over. And yeah, like, and they're putting on like the henchmen's like, costumes to yeah, sneak wipe out. Wipe and sweat, like, woo, what it's a like, fight. Wow, what a great fight. <laughs> I've never used my powers so creatively. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is a whole new bar set. <laughs> So yeah, it's like like there are certain scenes where like, or maybe it was in editing. They were like, "Shit, we never filmed the fight scene." Yeah, or the fight scene just looks so bad. They're like, "We gotta cut There's it." There's no saving this. Just cut <laughs> it. Spin the camera. But that looks terrible. It looks better than what we have. It'll keep them busy. But yeah, the fight scenes that they do actually film are almost as bad because the, oh, the fight the, scenes are so. Funny. One of the best moments <laughs> is when they're just like fighting in a big room against the jeweler or whatever, and there's like a, a hallway where three like of the moles or weasel man's henchmen are running down, and Reed just like. Does, time slows down to a halt and he slowly stretches his leg out across the hallway <laughs> and the guys just trip over it. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, look it's out. Like, really? You guys spent time to do that? He didn't even need to stretch his foot for no, that move. <laughs> at, not at all. He could have just like quick, like kicked him in the shin. Have a nice trip. <laughs> <laughs> like it is just, oh, oh man. yeah. They, they use their powers in like the cheapest, easiest to film ways. Because oh, Dr. Yeah. Doom doesn't fight people in this. He Doom. just lets people shoot him until they kill themselves with their bullets. Literally. <laughs> He's just a, a giant bullet deflector that people just don't understand. Stand. No, they just keep shooting until they're all dead. <laughs> yeah. The bullets keep bouncing and killing our friends. Shoot him more. <laughs> keep shooting him. It's the only way. <laughs> it's like, I deflected all of your bullets and you killed yourselves. <laughs> Another job well done. Yes. And like Johnny's powers are a fucking embarrassment. Because like oh, the my. whole movie, I have in my notes early <laughs> on in my notes, I have like, is Johnny Storm ever going to like use fire? And yeah. The, for the first hour, he just sneezes and starts like pieces of paper on fire. Yeah. Or like he will sometimes have a fireball in his hand that he'll like throw and miss. Yeah. Like, that <laughs> every, happens a lot. It misses every time. Because <laughs> he'll throw it and then it'll be like a cheesy fireball explosion. And yep. like, the enemies will run away. <laughs> and nothing in the environment will be like disturbed at all. But then at the end of the movie, when Dr. Doom shit's about to go off and like yeah. the beam's about to destroy New York they were yep. like oh shit we haven't shown the human torch yet now is where we get to flex yeah <laughs> and like oh no I don't know how someone looked at this and thought it was okay I don't know how to describe this even I don't either because how it do you is... describe this kind of rendering it's like everyone knows what the uncanny valley is this was like somewhere beyond that even I it can't even it looks like even... a screensaver yeah how do I even describe it looks like uh a cutscene you'd watch on like a really, really, really old PC game. Yeah, like okay, like Windows ninety eight. Like it'd be like those screensavers where it'd be like the maze would start to form. Yep. And then like it's almost yes. it's somewhere between that and like classic like Doom. Yes. And like with also like, like but also the animation and movement of like a nineties or early two thousands cartoon. And it is just like the creepiest, most awkward looking yeah, Because thing. it's clearly you're no longer oh. watching a man. You're just no, watching no. some like rendered computer thing. You're not looking at anything that's actually physically real. Like <laughs> literally just imagine in your head uh, a fully rendered CGI scene. Yeah. Even by today's standards. Yeah. And like you would know. Like you'd be able to tell, like this whole scene is CGI. Exactly. Even, even the city and the sky is CGI. Yep. But now imagine it's set in 1994 and it's a B movie. <laughs> That's what we're talking about here. Oh man, the like that this scene, <laughs> just the, that scene clipped has got to be somewhere. Oh, you know what? I just thought of a perfect way to describe this. It looks like the movie you'd watch while waiting in line for like a Fantastic Four roller coaster. Yep, yep. That's what this That's movie it. is. That's exactly <laughs> it. Because I think I can't remember. 
the Batman ride does, but the Superman one might have a rendering like that. That's uh, I know similar. the Hulk ride does. Oh, at, yep, you're right. At Universal Studios, it's yep. got something kind of like this. Totally. Um. So yeah, oh, it's like God. something you'd watch on loop on on the TV above you as you oh, waited in a God. super long line on a hot day. I gotta say, like it's worth watching. It is something. Oh yeah, man. or at least watch these clips. We're talking. Yeah, just no, it. just those clips. Yeah, like, skim the. Skim oh it. my you'll God. See, trust me, you'll see the scenes you want to see. They'll stick oh. out. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, Johnny Storm, like, literally my final note is, Johnny Storm, what in the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to, how to explain this. Yeah, and, like, basically, and near the last 20 minutes before the final climax, like, their big taker, Reed's big takeaway, the big revelation of this movie, or at, like, the ethos of the Fantastic Four, is basically supposed to culminate down to Reed realizing that Susan is the invisible woman because she's shy. Oh, I forgot about Johnny this. Johnny is... A fucking the human torch because he gets angry. He, he's got he's a he has head. a bad temper. Uh-huh. And Ben is the thing because he relies on brute strength and not his brain. And then I, I don't get how that would make sense. I, that doesn't make sense. And well, then he, he's he's fucking stretchy because he stretches himself too thin. Yeah, he's like I I try to you know I do too much. I try to <laughs> do all my work and have a healthy relationship with my family. Too much. <laughs> <laughs> who it, could who could possibly do this? Impossible. It would it would cause a man to grow superpowers. <laughs> Imagine going to work and then having human relationships. It right. can't be done. Can't be done. <laughs> But yeah, so that that's an interesting takeaway, and it just seems like that <laughs> was, was something in the writers' room. They're like, okay, we got to come away with some big meaning to wrap it all up. Like, right, what, like why do they all have different powers? Oh, I know. <laughs> it's he like, didn't have a heart. He didn't have a brain. <laughs> yeah, you had a brain this whole time, <laughs> and he needed courage. Yeah, <laughs> like that's literally what this is. It's so cheesy. Yeah, and the final line, right, is they punch Doctor Doom. This is for being a real jerk. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> oh my god. Which really, I mean, they're not wrong. He was being a real jerk. Yeah, he really was. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, so this, uh, it's a thing that happened. It's something that we watched. Even yeah, the people who made this are like, you sat through that? Yeah, if you watch this, you get a gold star I from feel, someone. I feel bad for the people who made it, though, because the actors were not told what the, what the plan was here. Oh, I'm sure they were completely like, They in were the like dark. walking into a trap. Dude, they, <laughs> honestly, they probably thought this was like the fucking, like dream of a lifetime because they were like oh this is it like yeah. this is gonna be my there must ticket. have been red flags though oh <laughs> for sure and once they saw the set and the costumes they were like yep. wait why does why is ben's the only costume that looks like a real thing why are there <laughs> random people holding holding and moving spotlights throughout this final fight who are those people <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah it's, so they, they must have been just watching this just internally panicking like oh no oh yeah i'm sure by a couple weeks in on set they were like something is very i wrong. turned down empire for this <laughs> <laughs> oh man so yeah, uh, I mean, we set the bar low. Yeah, uh, going into this, so now I don't be... think it can get worse than that. No, we we thought we were watching a bad Fantastic Four movie the last time we did one. And, and so, for those who don't know, um, if you might be, if this might have been your first episode listening to us, we actually have done another Fantastic Four movie. It was four. We read Silver Surfer. Yeah, but yeah, we we read Silver Surfer Black and then compared it to Fantastic Four Two: Rise of the Silver Surfer. Yeah. So we have done Fantastic Four related stuff before. Mm-hmm. We thought we were going to hate that movie. We actually kind of liked it. Yeah, I didn't end. hate it. Yeah, It was had pretty decent, actually. Like, I came out like defending that movie. I yeah, was like, no. I was like, it's not bad. <laughs> this movie should not be defended. Mm-mm. No. Not in any way. No. Like, I, I opened up with the couple good things I had to say about it <laughs> yeah, just so you, I could get it out of the way. You were being more than generous. Yeah, but I mean, they get the characters mostly right. I mean, they had they were on the right track at certain points, but they it definitely missed. Except for it turning into like the cowardly line at the end. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, but other than that, yeah, this was a movie that happened, and uh, we watched it. 
Yeah. And now I'm going to delete it from my brain. <laughs> yeah, and props to anyone who else has put themselves to this, because it is not fun. Yeah, so let us know in the, in the Discord if you want to hop in and if you did actually watch this movie. I'm curious what, oh, other, yeah. what other people's experiences with this. Um, honestly, though, I, we, we as much as we just hated on it, I will say if you want to like get a group of friends together and have some drinks. and Oh, yeah, up, have a few drinks, and it, it's, a, it's a good laugh if you want to, yeah, have fun. Like, you will have fun watching this movie. Oh, yeah, like, it, it'll be an experience. My review of it, it's not a good movie, but honestly, good experience maybe watching it. I mean, like, I, I'm a I'm a fan of watching shitty B movies all the time. Oh like, yeah, That's shitty what I mean. shitty B horror movies are some great times sometimes, and like that this is in that realm. Like when we talked about like when we did our Venom episode, like I was like depressed. I was like I don't want to talk about. Oh yeah, this movie that yet. movie just made me like sunken in my soul. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, but I this was, movie like, this was wasn't like, even fun. Bad. Like, exactly. I just hated it because people took that seriously. Right. They thought that they 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 thought this was this was a seriously good movie. So I'm gonna come out with a hot take here. Uh, this movie's better than Venom, <laughs> and I'm ending the podcast right there. I'm not making that. This movie is better than Venom. Goodbye. (laughs) Full stop.